welcome to Is This Scary? This is Shelby. This is Zach. And Phil's not here, unfortunately. He has a different schedule for work for a while, so it's just going to be the Zach and Shelby show for a while. And we got, we're going to have some guests later down the road. So we're going to have some friends of ours, people that you've heard of before, some people that you haven't, are going to be coming in as guest hosts. We like the trio dynamic, but it will also be interesting to see what y'all think of just a one-on-one conversation. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so this time around, we're going to be talking about a classic, because this is the first in a brand new series that we're going to do that we're calling Horror History. Mm-hmm. And what better place to start for horror history than the first sound horror movie? Mm-hmm. 1931's. Dracula. With Bela Lugosi. Yes. Um, directed by, uh, actually, award-winning and celebrated silent movie era um, director Todd Browning. Yeah. Obviously based off the book by Bram Stoker. However, this is more based off of the popular stage play that was written by Hamilton Dean and John L. Balderston. Yep. Because when Universal went to make this, well... During the Depression. And so the money they thought they were going to have fell out. Yeah. And they didn't have time to rewrite a script, nor the money, obviously. So they just adapted the play as a movie. Yeah. And the play, and and that kind of makes sense why the story, the story or the movie has the same high points, but there's tiny little details that are not obviously accurate to the book. And you got to remember when you go back and when we were watching it, we kept on talking about it. it's like the book is a hard read because it's just journal entries and diary entries. It's it's a hard read. And if you have trouble reading like I do, I'm a horrible reader. I can't get through it because it's boring. I'm sorry. But it's just it doesn't get you like what you think it's going to. Because the the book is legendary because people's imaginations turn the story into what it's supposed Mm -hmm. to be and if you can really get into all of the characters i understand especially right when it was written and it was modern and fresh and Mm -hmm. new yes it would have been terrifying and thrilling and relevant and sexy oh yeah (laughs) and all of these things but to a modern reader you hate how some of the characters are written because it's outdated stereotypes and these gender norms that are frankly just outmoded at this point so it's a weird read Mm -hmm. like i got all the way through it but anytime the men and mina were talking i hated it because mina just kept fawning on how brave and strong and courageous all of the men folk were and it's just (laughs) can you Stop. And they kept, every time they were going to talk about doing literally anything, either Jonathan or Van Helsing speaks up and goes, Mina, dear, we'd appreciate it if you would leave the room. This is going to be, um, this is going to be some man talk and it's going to be far too distressing and action-packed and terrifying for your womanly constitution. Yeah. You're too weak. Yeah. Please leave. Yeah. It goes into those Victorian (laughs) stereotypes that, I mean, women couldn't be around anything that was even remotely out of their norm or they would just kill over and faint. So, and and that's why it was, this story was a very popular for women because even though, yes, they didn't, they couldn't relate to it but they feel like they they were this was kind of like early smut for them when you really think about it like the gothic romances were very popular you see this with Wuthering Heights you see this with Jane Austen later down the road or actually earlier um so these were popular well yeah and one other thing was and it's actually interesting i think especially when you think it's a book written in the late 1800s the Male characters especially actually have a full range of, of emotion and show weakness multiple times throughout the book. Yes. So I think that is also one thing that would have intrigued female readers because it's like, oh, these are real characters. They're fleshed out. Yeah. Yep. 
It, it is funny when we, because every, every time, like, me and you were, when we were watching this film, we were going back and we were like, this didn't happen in the book. That's the, that's not the name of the the ship that he was on. It's the Demeter. It was those tiny little changes right. that kind of, like, grinded our gears, but at the same time, it, like, makes sense. It's whatever. Right. Like, for me, the one that, just because I've seen this movie, but mm-hmm. I, so... For everyone that doesn't remember, I'm nearing 40, so I've had time to watch a bunch of movies, and I think I've seen this movie like Mm -hmm. 20 years ago, Mm -hmm. but because of the nature of the movie, it's not one that I want to watch over and over again. I don't think it lends itself to repeat viewings these days. Yeah. So I forgot that, well, I guess spoilers for the almost 100-year-old movie. Right. (laughs) Exactly. But uh, I forget that Renfield's the lawyer in the beginning. Yeah. Because when you meet Renfield in the book, he's already in the sanitarium. Right. Yeah, we don't see his, like, origin story. So it's, it is weird. It's, it actually, you know what, it just popped in my head. It's like watching the movie Scarlet Letter with Gary Oldman because that first half of the whole movie doesn't even happen in the book. Because when the book starts, she comes out of the jail, she has, the, she has her child, Pearl, and it's like, wait a minute. What about all this stuff that happened in the movie when she's having the affair? She gets pregnant. She goes she goes to trial and she goes into jail. And I'm like, what? So it's kind of the same thing. Like, we are getting that prequel kind of like what happens at the beginning of the story. So Well, the story... I would say it's more of like an alternate universe because uh-huh. the story is the same. You just swap Renf... You just swap Harker for Renfield. Right. Because Jonathan Harker is a solicitor in the book, and so he's Dracula's lawyer, mm-hmm. and he spends an undetermined amount of time in the castle, at least a couple of weeks, maybe even a month. Renfield gets destroyed in about a day. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. take long for good old Renfield. He's pretty weak. Yeah, he's a very weak-minded man, and that's why he's so great. In regards to the character in this, because he just is he, so demented. He chews on his scenes, and yes. it's awesome. And, and, and that's the... His character is so good, because even though, yes, it's you got the overacting in this, because it is a film that is... It's a stage play, so it's going to have overacting. It's also right after the silent era ended, so it's gonna be overacting. Right. Because you still, this movie still has all those silent era, just giant arm movements. Very obvious head swings, glares. Clawed hands, just like, yeah, very dramatic, like, cape movements from Bella. And just, yeah, it's, yeah, it's very dramatic. And, but with Renfield being insane, it works. And it almost seems normal what he's doing but but it definitely shows that he is almost in a different world than what is surrounding him i was gonna say yeah and he is we have to give the credit where credit is he's Mm -hmm. played by dwight fry Mm -hmm. and he's well him and van helsing who's played by edward van sloan both of them steal every scene that they're in yeah both those guys really got into their characters and they're they're by far my they were my favorite people to watch. Yeah. I mean, Bella is iconic in Dracula, but he's not the best actor in the movie. Yeah. I mean, he knows how to definitely... One thing that we... Because we did watch a little bit of the behind the scenes in this is that Bella knows he has that aristocratic air to him. So, like, he, they, they told him they would talk about how if he walked into a room and he wasn't, like, not even announced, everybody gravitated and looked at him because he just has that air and he does when he's not and he's just in his tuxedo and he walks in the room and he's just chit-chatting just whatever with Mina he does have that aristocratic air to him it's like Mm -hmm. "Mm, I feel like I should automatically respect him but also I should be socializing with him yeah he knows how to he knows how to stand he knows how to do what his with his hands Mm -hmm. in a way so he does have that that air to him. And I had something that happened over and over again. And the first time it happened 
both Shelby and I were nearly rolling on the floor. But that was the lighted glare that they kept giving Dracula. Like, Bela Lugosi does this super overdramatic glare. And there are just these little lights right around his eyes. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it looks ridiculous yeah. today. But that's another left leftover from the silent era. Which is just makes this piece a really interesting time, time capsule. Because mm-hmm. it's... It's a silent movie with sound, but it's also a stage play. Right. It is all of it's all three of those things at the same time. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, I feel like it should have been just a silent movie. Because it probably would have been better. It probably would have been yeah, because I mean, you the the film starts out with like a Swan Lake theme song, but that ends very quickly, and then there's no sound. There is no score to this movie, and then the the sound when you really listen to it, I mean, it's like white noise because they're jacking up the volume so loud because either Bella is so far away from the microphone or a character is so far away or the set pieces that they are in are huge mm. that the microphone is so far away from the characters that they have to jack it up to the point where it's just fuzzy noise right. the whole time. And this you have to remember, is the beginning of sound. Mm-hmm. So they didn't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. Boom mics did not exist. Yep. So what they would do is they would take some big chunk of the scenery that you could hide this ginormous microphone behind, and it would not be... It, would, it usually wasn't in an optimal place. People didn't necessarily stand close to it. They would just chuck it in the room and hope for the best. Yeah. Yeah, it is It is very interesting looking at the, the sound in that because it's just like, you're like almost expecting is that all of a sudden the fuzzy noise gets louder and louder and you're like, okay, is that a big, a big boom about to happen or is it like a jump scare kind of about to happen because it's just like, ugh. like let me shield my ears because I feel like I'm they're about to bleed for a second. No. It's just us listening to the the whole time. (laughs) Yeah. But, even with all the criticisms, this is a very obviously important movie. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, it... The Universal Monster movies, and we're gonna we're gonna mention that in a couple because our plan is to talk about some other films this this happy October, happy October, everybody. Um, That... They started a trend. These movies had, they they did special things, and these movies have been remade so many times, and that trend has continued through the decades. Yes. And you're seeing, oh, they're paying homage to this. They're paying homage to this, to the to details. And I, I really appreciate that because it keeps it alive. The universal monsters are kind of making a comeback right now. They're really kind of up on the level here. I mean, there's a lot of rumors about potentially bringing back the Dark Universe that that, that did fail. Twice. I still have hope for it, though. I really do. Yeah, but they've already they already f- had a failed launch with the Dracula movie, and they had the terrible Mummy movie. Mm-hmm. So they've, they've tried twice and mm-hmm. failed. I Hopefully think, the third shot might work. Yeah, I've... Because, I mean, even though I haven't seen it, but just with the trailer and what I've heard about it, the Voyage of the Demeter, or the last Voyage of the Demeter, was supposedly very successful. And just and it was like, oh, that's a potential that goes into the Dark Universe because it's talking about a very small part, but a very important part in the Dracula book. Right. So it's like, okay, but it's also showing something that we never saw it's all about those, it's that mystery, and it's showing the darkness and what is almost like the demon inside of him. It is. And so, I mean, I feel like it is kind of bringing, and especially universe in itself is a universal, is bringing the universal monsters back because in the next, like, year or so in 2025, they're going to have their own park. The Universal Monsters are going to have their own separate park that they can have at Epic Universe, and which is going to have, like, everything. I mean, it's going to have their own ride, theme, dining, everything. And it's like, okay, that's that's freaking cool, because then you can kind of go to that world and kind of escape and be in a world that used to be black and white with, like, gothic castles and stuff like that and 
weird crosses and pitchforks. I hope it works, but that might be one of those things that if you want to see it, you need to go see it. Because mm-hmm. if it's not successful, it won't last yeah. very long. It's, it's very niche, obviously, and it is something that's kind of like stuck towards Halloween. So it's like, yeah, it's like if you you're you're not gonna go to the Universal Monsters Park during Christmas. That's it's a little weird, but at the same time, like goth heads like me, I'll go there. <laughs> I'll be like, yes, the lines are gonna be short. I'm gonna go here and be in my happy place. <laughs> right. But when you look at who Dracula is, mm-hmm. Dracula wasn't a defined character. Until 1931. Mm-hmm. Because while Dracula had existed for, what, almost 30 to, well, no, almost 40 years by the time this movie had come out, it wasn't until we get the screen portrayal by, uh, we've been saying his name wrong, he's Bela Lugosi, mm-hmm. but we'll just keep saying Bela because we don't speak Hungarian. Right. <laughs> but ever since Lugosi, that's what Dracula looks like. Yeah. Like, that is your stereotypical Dracula, and if you look at for me, what were two of the best uh, Dracula properties that have come out recently, which was the um, BBC Netflix joint uh, piece that they did that was three episodes. Mm, mm-hmm. He was obviously based off of the Lugosi Dracula. And then Renfield that came out recently, Nick Cage is... I don't even know if he plays Dracula as much as he just plays, he just plays Bella. Bella. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was so good, though. Yeah. yeah it's it, so much fun. Yeah. I mean, he just had, like, when you think of any property or merchandise, that's what you think of Dracula. You don't think of, you don't think of Bram Stoker's Dracula by Frank, uh, what is it, um, Francis Ford Coppola. You don't think of that. Even though that is more realita- realistic to what Vlad, the yeah, the book and what Vlad Tepish looked like, mm-hmm. but it's not accurate to. I can't even imagine what Gary Oldman trying to look like Bela Lugosi. It would just I that can't even. That would have been ima- awful. It would have looked weird. I just like I need to see him with a mustache because it'd be like yes, that is Dracula. He must have mustache, in my opinion. But it's like yeah, like this Bela that look when you think of Dracula. That's what people go to. Yeah. I'm like, even like kids, that's what people go to. And that's that's the thing about this movie is especially now, back in the day, this was this was a horrifying movie. People were scared. This is a movie we were laughing. Oh. The this the jokes of I think it was Charlie or Charles, the um Oh no 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 no. Uh Hawkins. Hawkins. The um uh like groundskeeper yeah the groundskeeper and like i think he was also like the intern or like the orderly at the yeah, I think he was he's like the groundskeeper yeah. head orderly hawkins did a bunch of odd jobs yeah and he just has that like all oh, redfield what you doing kind of acts and he just cracking jokes the whole time and it was just it's so funny and but this is, it's not graphic. There's no gore to it. There's no jump scares. And especially with this film, there's no loud music. So you don't have like that sudden like boom or anything like that we have in a couple years down the line or even a decade down the line. Yeah. You're not going to have that. So this is a movie where you could introduce your kids to horror by watching this and they would be completely fine because it's not, it's not graphic. It's not scary. Depending on how old your kids are, they might even be bored. Yeah. Because Unfortunately. Also, I think it's probably because of the sound. It's just too quiet. I would have to... That would be the time to check out the alternate score that's on the DVD that we watched. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which I noticed that a lot of movies did that. Because even um, Lon Chaney Sr. of Phantom of the Opera did that too. Because it is it is a silent film. So it has different versions into it where it has straight black and white or colored Hmm. and they also do the original soundtrack but then they also have a different score too so there are different versions to it i do also like i can't remember which version i do like the color because that does show a little bit more to it but having the black and white is completely fine in my opinion um but yeah having that score definitely makes a difference 
Well, I mean, especially because during the silent movie era, movies would be accompanied by a piano. Mm-hmm. Yep. You'd have a live person who would have the actual sheet music for the for the film. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting. Yeah. But, um... What's your favorite part in this movie? I think it's that iconic shot of Renfield on the not Demeter, where it's just the... Mm-hmm. He, he's stroking the coffin and mm-hmm. telling Dracula that it, they've made it. We're Must. all safe now. And then the people that find the shipwrecked boat, he's the only living thing on the ship. Mm-hmm. And when they open the hatch doors, the sunlight just pours down the steps and there's Renfield just sneering up at them. It's mm-hmm. <laughs> a fantastic yeah. shot. And any and to kind of go off of that too, in a later shot for Renfield, um, when they start really getting that German expressionism that I love, it is when he's in his cell and you have like this the moonlight coming through the barred windows and you see the shadows of the bars on the wall and it's like caging him in. And it's like, oh, you could, I, I even made the comment about, like, you could really go hardcore German Expressionism and just turn the camera just a little bit and kind of mirror his insanity. Um, I also liked when Renfield is, when the maid faints and he crawls to her and you're like, oh, crap, what's going to happen? Like, in your head, you're like, oh, my gosh, he's going to bite her. Yeah. Or he's going to try to eat her. Like, what? what's going to happen? And we never see what happens. I also do, I think probably my favorite part is um, uh, the whole interaction between Van Helsing and Dracula. And he's just like, with the box. And he's like looking back and forth with the mirror. And I think it's so funny. I like the way that Van Helsing is played because he just does such a great job that he, this is the guy, he could literally walk in the room and he knows everybody's dirty crap. Like he knows, like he just, he's so knowledgeable. Like his, he's got x-ray specs on you. And he, and he just has that like smile to them. Like, I know. And... And it's almost like a game to him. Like he's playing with Dracula. He's just like, I got you, and you, and I'm about to prove it. So like he, when he shows him the box, and Dracula just goes smacks him, and it's like, ooh, okay. But I, I think it's just so funny because like, right, oh, like Van Helsing is almost like chuckling in the background. It's just like he's so funny. But I, I like that, just like that moment of just like, oh. I got you. One of the things I found interesting that I'm thinking about, Dracula is not in his final characterization, though. Because he's not this... He he is a very big threat, but he's not the unstoppable force that he is shown to be in a lot of different versions. Yes. Because Van Helsing, his natural will is strong enough to stop Dracula from controlling his body. Yeah. I mean, this really shows, when you see the comparison in regards to, like, the power of Dracula and the people, it really shows, unfortunately, how weak everybody is. I mean, his Van Helsing's will is able to just beat Dracula, but then we see the ending for Dracula, and it's like, really? It's, it's in, kind of embarrassing a little bit. Yeah, we bit. should talk about it. Yeah, it's just <laughs> like, we get to the moment he's able to trick... The everybody like Van Helsing gets all the plants and is trying to keep Mina yeah. cooped up and stuff like that. And Dracula is still able to hypnotize people and is able to entice Mina, share his blood with her, and takes her back to Carfax Abbey. And of course, Renfield spoils the kidnapping mission because he follows Dracula. Yeah. And they, uh, Harker and Van Helsing are following him and are able to go into the catacombs and they're pretty much able to just take out Dracula very easily because he just, he, the sun's coming up and he just goes back into his coffin and that's really weird because it's not stated whether or not the sun will kill him at all in the movie because they run down the weaknesses of a vampire and sunlight doesn't come up at all. No, not even holy water. The only thing that they mentioned was like the cross 
and wolfsbane. They don't well, even say garlic or anything like that. Well, and running water. Yeah. Like, it's like, okay. I'm like, there's right. also a lot more other things. Like, it's just like... like so, so across wolfsbane and running water. Yeah. These are the vampire's weaknesses. Cool. <laughs> there's a lot weird. more. <laughs> it's just weird. But, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so for whatever reason, like we said, Dracula naturally senses that the sun comes up or something and uh-huh. just goes to bed. Like, right. it's... He doesn't try to hide himself or anything. Like, they're able to... They know exactly which coffin he went and laid down in. hmm And then Van Helsing just stakes him. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. Dracula's timing is horrible. Like, what was he doing? Like, it's like, come on. It's, it's England... It's cloudy. It's going to get overcast very quickly. It's going to be overcast the whole day. So it's going to get darker a lot quicker at, at night. So you're think so I'm t- you're telling me that you just chilled at Carfax Abbey for a long period of time and then waited until maybe 5 uh, Oh, it's 5 o'clock. I'll have plenty of time to go get Mina. Let's go get her right yeah. now. It's like, what were you doing? Like, come on. It's... What? His timing is horrible. <laughs> right. Um, because uh, the climax in the book is actually pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. Because at this point, they are going around and chemically sterilizing all of the dirt that Dracula brought over from Transylvania. And therefore making it just dirt. It's mm-hmm. no longer... You know, it, he's they're cutting the connection to the homeland. And they start trapping Dracula, but Dracula is using his wits and everything, and he's using money and, you know, like, basically actors that he's paid and things to do things for him, and there's these go-betweens and switchbacks between the two parties, and it gets really intense, and they have guns, and they get into a bit of a shootout, because Dracula runs back to Transylvania, and, like, it's completely different. Yeah. One of the characters that doesn't even make it into the movie, the American guy, gets killed. Quincy. Yeah, Quincy. Quincy gets killed in the final confrontation with Dracula. Yeah. It's just, it's so dramatic, I'm surprised that the movie just ends. Because there's the big, exciting set piece. Like, the whole thing's, it's set up. You could have just ripped that straight out of the book and it would have worked great on film. Right. So, I I don't understand. But, it is what it is. That's actually one of my complaints about a lot of movies, especially Hollywood movies from the 1930s especially. They just kind of end. I know. The story's moving along and you're enjoying the story. And then, like, if it's a romantic comedy or something, they'll just be like, and we've rented this apartment and this is where we live now. And then... Goodbye. They close the door and the end Not happens. End. Just going, yeah. What? Oh, we just stopped the movie. Got it. <laughs> There's Here no... comes the score back again. Yay! <laughs> we got music. So, yeah, it just... It is a product of its time, which mm-hmm. makes it a... If you're not a connoisseur of older movies, or you don't care about the history of the horror genre, it's going to be a really hard watch. Yeah. I'm not even trying to play. But the great thing about these movies is their attention, I mean, their attention to details in regards to the lighting is always very, very good. The set pieces are always huge. They're gorgeous. And they're amazing. They like amazing. it's it's to the point where it's like just when you walk through the that front room in the beginning with Renfield and that huge staircase, it's like you want to touch it. Like I want to go put my hand in the screen and I want to touch it. Is it made out of foam? Is it made out of wood? Is it, is it stone? Like, yeah, what is it? Like I want to know what it is. Like we know from from Frankenstein that the whole town was was a like a t- fake town that they used multiple times and it was it's it stayed that way for like it, the set piece just kind of just stayed where it was for a long period of time i think only just recently did they destroy it um but it was just like the amount of work that it went to you know for a fact that a majority of the money didn't even go to the people or 
it went to the sets. Yeah. And I also, and we see that with Dracula movies later down the line and how certain, like, attention to detail in regards to, like, objects is very important. Like, we see Mm -hmm. with uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula how the attention to detail in the clothes was very, very important. Like, I did a whole study in film, film school about that movie and just, like, how important, like, set pieces were. Like, when you look at Dracula's castle, it looks like him sitting on a throne. That's the way that it's styled. Um, just this, everything, the set pieces, the costuming is so beautifully detailed, like, to the point where, like, when, um, Lucy is turned into a vampire, she's, she's buried into her, in her wedding dress, and she looks like a a lizard, because that's the way the style is, and it's like, huh, she's now an animal now, kind of makes, it's fitting, it makes sense. Um, and that also relates back to when, before she even met Dracula, and she had a snake dress. So it's kind of like, oh, foreshadowing subtly with her, with her clothes. So we see that repeating, and we see that with all the universal monsters. They take, like, one big part of it, and they continue that tradition later down the line. So we see that with, like, the Wolfman with makeup. We see that, again, with, um, uh, like, makeup as well with like uh frankenstein um cgi or computer generation with like the invisible man they use that or they use little tiny old style hollywood tricks so right because you get a lot of um stuff on wires and mirror tricks that's mm -hmm. how they did it in the original movie yeah so you have that tradition and you see that even now i mean even like the mummy I mean, I think the only one, the only thing about the mummy is they, they, again, they focused on the acting. That was something that the trend that they continued, the, I think the biggest change that they had for the mummy is they didn't really focus on makeup. They went from makeup to CGI, which makes sense. It's like, you want a terrifying mummy. You can't have that with makeup, especially as a character of the mummy. So Mm -hmm. yeah, which I I like that because it's like, ah. There is something, I guess, warm and comforting about the Universal Monsters. It's just like, ah, I want to sit down and watch this movie. I don't really have to think about anything. I know the story. It's just something where you can kind of just sit there and relax. You don't have to pick it apart. You don't have to criticize it. You kind of just, like, you know the story. You don't really have to pay attention, but it's kind of just there for the nostalgia. Mm -hmm. That's That's really all it is. So, overall, we, again, have to ask the question that we always ask. Is this scary? No. No. But it's important. Yes. It, it yeah, it, it's a very important film because it's so recognizable. And when you watch it, you can actually see where horror is going to go. Because there are things in this movie... That, like Shelby have said, and not even just in Dracula movies, but just in horror movies in general that have been repeated again and again. And I think they'll just be repeated forever. Mm-hmm. And so, we haven't done this in a while, but we're going to have some... Horror news! So, yes, as we're in October, a lot of horror news, a lot of coming out recently. are And also coming soon, too, this month. So... Um, already talks about Halloween. So Halloween is already being kind of odd, uh, pretty much auctioned out. To oh, be it's like, on the block. It's yeah, on the it's, auction block. Yeah, it's like, all right, who wants this? A lot of rumors about a TV show. In my opinion, I don't think a TV show is going to work. I think if you do a more modernized, like, eight to 12 episode you make it super atmospheric if we got like eight mini movies in the vein of that of mm-hmm. that classic classic carpenter feel i'd yeah. be down but i do i think the halloween universe benefits from being seen in small chunks yeah i'd rather to be honest if i could have anything for halloween 
I would want a video game. There have already been fan-made games that are very, very short that are actually very, very successful. It's kind of scary, too. Like, very, very creepy. They've used, like, obviously the Michael model from Dead by Daylight, and they've just put them in, like, situations that are make sense to the story, and it actually makes sense, and it's scary. Um, you can play them, and, like, s- certain scenarios of Michael in a house, Michael in the hospital, stuff like that. You're mm-hmm. a nurse or you're a babysitter, and that's like, oh... I think this would be a good idea and you could do the story mode in multiple different ways like you could have it it's like oh you're like a new cop or maybe mm-hmm. you're a maid or a babysitter or maybe you're maybe you're uh, Donald Pleasant's character maybe you're Loomis like you could be really anything yeah. I mean you could be just a simple child that's just around trick-or-treating and you're hearing things like, I, I think that would be probably the most successful because it would be, there would be a lot of things that you could do with it. Yeah, but um, probably the worst thing right now would be to announce another movie. I know. Because I think the fan base is burnt. Yeah. Especially after Halloween ends. Because mm-hmm. it really, it, it split the fan base. You either yeah. hated it or you loved it. And I don't understand the love it camp because yeah. I'm not there. Yeah. So, yeah, I, f- I completely agree with that because it's just like, all right, yeah, I feel like we need to take a while. Let it let it be buried for mm-hmm. a bit because... Like, we need... We need some time to like breathe. Like a five-year break. I'm yeah. ta- it needs a decent chunk of time. Yes, absolutely. I okay. completely agree. So, one thing that I'm very excited about. Mm-hmm. This was announced on October 4th, so the day that we're recording this, Hammer... Films is back. Woo! They've reopened the studio. Heck yeah. There's a new owner. They've announced a slew of movies, and the first one up is going to be Dr. Jekyll. And the lead character who they, for this version, is going to be Dr. Nina Jekyll, played by Eddie Izzard. Okay. Who's a famous transgender comedian. Okay. Who he's, she, my bad, does mm-hmm. not identify as a man anymore. But Eddie is a Emmy Award winner. So has the acting chops. Should be pretty pretty good. I can't wait. And I hope there's a little of that hammer campiness in there. But this sort of a thing is what we want to hear. Because let's get those historic names and do something with them. Yeah. Pay homage to what a Hammer film mm-hmm. is. This should be over the top and gory and have just good moments of comedy. Should be at least decently written. Yeah. And that's the great... I like how they're choosing something like Jackal and Hyde because it's something that you know of, but at the same time, it also hasn't been done that much. Because, yeah, there's like a Broadway play about it. It's actually very, very good. Um, but then then you have the classic, obviously, black and white version of Jackal and Hyde. And then, obviously, in The Mummy, there was a version of Jackal and Hyde in that movie. And I thought he did, Kirk Russell did a very, very good version of Jackal and Hyde. I liked his mannerisms. I liked the way he changed his accent. I was like, ooh, let's stick with that. Can I just... Can we exclude the mummy and just go with that? I want to. I want to focus on that. But no. So, but it, it's very interesting they're choosing that because it's such an it's a classic story, and they really could go a whole bunch of different ways with this. They could go super gory with it. They could go like really really graphic, like with like the weird like obsession that he has with like women and stuff like that so you could go really dark with that and i'm sure they will because as uh, the director joe stevenson states there have been over a hundred cinematic acts adaptations of stevenson's novella but uh he's he says their twist is there's never been a trans dr jekyll there seems to be some assumptions that becomes Nina is a trans character. We're somehow going to make it about gender. That's not the case. They want their film to be true to the original work. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that in our modern day, just panic about anything 
out of the ordinary that we can just ignore that and if it's a good movie it's a good movie and that it can just be so on its own merits and if it's a bad movie it's a bad movie right and as eddie Izzard knows how to he, he she knows how to act so i mean good on her um okay. red band uh trailer for uh thanksgiving has been released which i mean we watched the quick little trailer for it and it's like all right thanksgiving and i mean we we watched the pilgrim last year and it was entertaining like it was it was a good different movie so it'd be curious to see what they're gonna do is it gonna be campy is it we don't really know from the trailer it's kind of both ways it's it's graphic but it's also like it's it's not like it's not like Thanksgiving where you have like a weird demon turkey. So it's just like you you really don't know what's gonna happen. And um, we're getting a third installment in the Terrifier series, which Ooh. so the the most successful indie horror franchise of all time marches on, and Art the Clown is really trying to cement his place as a horror monster, as a yeah. horror icon. Yeah, I hope they don't quick like get the movie out too quick. I think they need to like take take their time because, I mean, as we've mentioned before, I feel like they're spitting out these movies so quickly, and it's like that either hurts them or kind of hurts them. Well, it doesn't really help them. Then, in your opinion, it's coming out too quickly. Yeah. No. Do you want to know why? Why? November first. Jeez. So it's been a year. I know. It's, it's crazy. I mean, I can understand it was, like, successful and and everything like that, but it's like, come on. It's like, slow down a little bit. Yeah, because while the yearly entry did become a thing in the 80s and 90s, it also killed the biggest franchises. You can't have an entry a year. It's very hard to produce quality stuff when you're only when you only have well not even 12 months less than 12 months to do your whole project Mm -hmm. so because after a while it starts feeling half-baked and rushed and it's obvious so let's not sure we want art to have more entries i am i am on team art the clown i am but don't saturate oversaturate the market that's what kills franchises it does yeah, it's just, yeah, we have, I feel like we're having so much coming out in such a short period of time. It's just like, whoa, it's like, it's, it's like, it's too much. I'm trying, I know that we had mentioned to, mentioned it before. I mean, it says that it's supposed to be a release this year, but the movie Natty Knox with Robert England is supposed mm-hmm. to be a release this year, but I cannot find a date. It looks like there's a one minute trailer that's available, but... Not really any news that I can see on when it's supposed to be released. My understanding it was supposed to be released this this month, but I mean I'm not really. Actually, you know what? According to IMDb, it was released in July. Where I have no freaking clue. I mean, it could have. Here's the thing. Released literally means screened in a movie theater. Right. So if if it was screened at a film festival it was released right so i mean we'd have to we'd have to do a little bit of research because that was definitely a movie that i was i was looking forward to because i mean you have robert england you have daniel harris you dwight dwight little and it's like uh hello i mean yeah it was horror icon after horror icon exactly was i was i was i was on for that because i mean it was just something it was classic it's interesting seeing because robert england's been doing a lot of like voiceover stuff so it's like okay what is what is bobby doing right now so it's like okay he's in a movie all right what is he going to be doing in that movie? Is he going to be the villain? Is he just going to be there for like a little small little cameo? Like, what is he doing? So, but it's, this movie is kind of being hush hush right now. So it's just like, hmm, what are they going to do? And of course I have to mention it because I'm excited about it. And that's Five Nights at Freddy's is coming out this month. (laughs) So super excited in my opinion. Uh, Yeah. 
I, I can't wait. <laughs> I'm on the fence. The movie will have to prove itself. It, it is. Because, I mean, there's actually so much in this, this year that's come out for Five Nights at Freddy's for the franchise. I mean, you have the movie, you have the DLC to the most recent game, and then you have literally Help Wanted 2. And it's like, all right, you have another game coming out. I mean, he, Scott is putting out this stuff, like, immediately. So I'd be curious... A lot of the fan base, a lot of the community was, um, a lot of the big, like, YouTubers went to, like, the making of the movie, and they were talking really positive about just how much detail, which is, which is nice, but the problem is, is that this franchise has got so much lore, and the community likes to pick it apart. So I feel like because of the community, I feel like this movie might not be as successful, because if you don't get the lore... You're not going to enjoy it. You're going to be very, very confused and be like, oh, it was whatever. But if you get the lore, you're going to be like, oh, look at that. Oh, look at that. It might be one of those movies mm -hmm. where you're just going to be talking during, because I could see me doing that, like trying to con control myself and be like, oh my goodness, it's this. It's the Golden Freddy, ah, the lore. It's just like, <laughs> uh, or is that the bite of 87? Like, it's just like... It just got so much into it that I feel like it's going to be something where you're really just, you're going to pick it apart and it's just not going to, you're not going to enjoy it. So it's just yeah. going to be a movie where you got to have to take your, just watch it, not even as a fan, just watch it like you're just watching a plain Jane movie. Don't pick it apart. Do that at your own free time, but try to enjoy it because I feel that it just... You're gonna ruin it for yourself if you're sitting there analyzing it. It's it's not it's not a book. It's it's not a study manual. It's it's a it's a movie. You don't need to pick it apart. I agree. Mm-hmm. So um, we also have where did it go? Sorry, I've been looking when you were talking. So again, I think we talked about this around this time last year, mm -hmm. and while we haven't been watching it, um, is is this scary as a whole, as a entity, as a podcast, has to be extremely happy that Chucky is back for season three, which has started to air. Mm -hmm. Anything that can be in the mainstream zeitgeist that is just horror royalty, mm -hmm. that is doing well, I can only say bravo. I, good. We need more stuff like this. Let's take those classic properties and show that they still have life, that there's still entertainment in there, that this is why this is a legend. Let's yeah. just keep it going. Yeah. So, Chucky has done very well so far in its small screen adaptation, and I hope that they keep rolling. Yeah. Chucky is just, it's one of those things, like, you either love it or you hate it. And, I mean, again, that's also making a name for itself, too, like... Halloween Horror Nights has not sponsored, has their own experience, and they've been kind of like pushing for Chucky. It was the first house that was teased, and that was teased last year. It was like a whole year before this this year of 2023 did they tease that they were going to have a house for Chucky. So it's just like, geez, okay. So, I mean, really, Chucky's definitely got like a kind of a death grip around around certain things and certain people. So... You know what I, I want? When is Salem's Lot remake supposed to be released? Because I feel like I, I see it all the time, but it's like nothing. Like, hello? When is it done? I, I want to know. <laughs> because we, we need some classic vampire action, man. I mean, if you go back to the novel, like, Salem's Lot is... Let's get these nasty brilliant even a little bit animalistic vamp because like Stephen King leans super hard Nosferatu, into the Nosferatu yeah, part of it yeah. and it's just his vampires are terrifying monsters uh -huh. and it's also like it's kind of gross like you have those like moments like when when you see the the people that are turned into vampires they're like nasty looking like, they're, like, glowing eyeballs and nasty teeth, blood all over them. You have, like, children. Like, that's always been a thing with, like, 
certain with certain franchises like children are like completely safe they're never gonna get hurt and it's like nope not in this movie uh-uh we got vampire children okay we got freaking dead yeah. body parts and stuff and then also the thing that kind of grosses me it's the house the house has got mold everywhere it makes me itch every time i watch the movie it's just like i don't want to go in that house no, there's mold all over the walls. Well, and I want to see the transformation scene in the in a modern way. Because, yeah, let's have fingers crack and break and extend. Mm-hmm. And have the head enlarge and just have the hair fall out in big bloody chunks. Yeah. And the mouth just rip itself out. Like, we can get a super gory, like, um... American Werewolf in London style transformation. Yeah. And especially now that we're getting uh, that second renaissance for practical effects, it could be amazing. Absolutely. So I'm also waiting for Salem's Lot. That yeah. will be, that's going to be a theater movie for sure. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Bring in some, like, some of those classes. You know what we need to watch? Rose Red. I haven't watched it in years. It's on. It just popped back up on streaming. Oh, did it? Okay. that's. It's been so long since I watched the movie, and I feel like I need to watch it. I need to read it. Well, I mean, the movie is... or the, Sorry, the TV miniseries is 22 years old. That mm-hmm. made me feel old when I looked at it. I'm like, ow, I was still ow. in high school when this came out. Damn, <laughs> I'm old. I'm Broke my back. Okay. But yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be me and Zach for a while. Um, but we'll definitely have some guest stars, people that you heard of, people that you haven't heard of. So we're gonna we're gonna have fun with it. Phil might come in as a as a guest sometimes when he's available. Um, so we'll be a little bit different, but um, we're still trucking along. So yeah, we're gonna try to get a couple episodes out for this month um, to celebrate the halloweens so and we're going to try to be a little bit more active on the socials as well because obviously right now we have a lot of releases coming out so we want to pick your brains what do you think about these movies so yeah we are available on facebook twitter or x i'm not still not used to that and instagram (laughs) this is zach this is shelby Stay spooky.